0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen of the day. A huge win over the weekend for the University of Utah football program. And Brian, are we going to really just talk about that and nothing else today?
1: You know, it actually was a pretty uh, outstanding weekend for the University of Utah Athletic Department as a whole after such a tremendously difficult two weeks. Uh, I still don't have adjectives to describe it. Um, You know, we saw a a new record set Mm -hmm. for a particular favorite volleyball player of the podcast. We saw a, a strong performance from women's soccer in L.A. as well. And we saw a historical win at the Coliseum that was, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe on the edge of flicking some magic in and out of the game. Who knows?
0: Well, we're going to talk about all of that ahead on today's show, and let's waste no more time and dive into it here. This is the Locked On Utes Podcast for October eleventh, twenty twenty one. Once again, welcome into Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on all things University of Utah, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I'm back. I'm Jay catch For those of you who may be new to the podcast, I had a crazy week, and Brian was very kind enough to step in and fill in, and that ring light, Brian, it just it brings out a glow
1: on you. And that's Brian Brown across from me digitally. How are you, sir? I'm learning about things like ring lights and cameras and angles and what good lighting can actually do for somebody. So I'm getting into the rhythm now. We are hoping to someday actually be on YouTube with this. Uh, Already started filming a few YouTube episodes here and there with Locked On Pack 12 So eventually I'll probably need to get a haircut and take a shower. But for the time being, we're just practicing the setup.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's the thing is down the road. Yes, we are hoping sooner rather than later that we will be on YouTube, but stay tuned for that. But of course, make sure you follow us on whichever podcast provider you happen to be listening in on. Join us every day as we have you covered from top to bottom when it comes to the University of Utah. And Brian, let's dive in here. The University of Utah football program gets their first ever win in the Los Angeles Coliseum, With one caveat, they have beaten USC in Los Angeles before, but it was before that famed venue was built. In 1916, the Utes beat USC, but in 10 tries since that time, the Utes had come up over in the L.A. Coliseum, but no more. Saturday night, the Utes went to L.A. and absolutely dominated USC.
1: It was domination, and despite a late... uh I don't even know if it was a garbage time touchdown as much as it was maybe uh, Dante Williams trying to make a statement in terms of saving his interim job and possibly turning it into a permanent, which, buddy, I respect the hustle, but it's time to abandon that one. And I'm sure that in the post game, Kyle Whittingham had a few uh, mentally words about the late timeout and the late touchdown and everything in regards to that. But it's uh, this was a game that was all about Utah. And and for once it it was deservedly so. This is a USC team that's not playing well. They're not playing together. This is a very splintered team. They do not believe in Keaton Slovis the way that they believe in Jackson Dart. I think that's very evident. The defense is not playing the kind of defense that you're used to seeing from USC. They uh, a lot of fake tough guy. I, well, fake tough guys a bad uh, bad descriptor. I think a lot of fake fake enthusiasm on the defensive side of the football. There are a lot of. Uh, you know, hijinks and whatnot, but it doesn't look like a lot of guys are playing really to full percentage. We saw Drake Jackson left the game. But that's enough about what USC did, Jake, because as I said, this was about Utah. This was a team that's come from turmoil, uh, from from absolute, you know, just heart-wrenching uh, adversity. And they showed up from play one and let everything out on the field and did not let it stop until the clock hit zero. It was a phenomenal performance, but again, the most important part is this: is the Utah team that we talked about in fall camp. This is the Utah team that we expected to see. It just took us a lot longer to get it, and it took some tragedy and and some real heart, you know, hearts and soul searching uh, to find it.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing about it. This team just has been through the ringer. There's no doubt about that. Having dual tragedies in the past 10 months, losing two of your teammates, two of your brothers, for those of them inside the program, and for them to come out and play the way they did, I think that they have got things dialed in. They got things focused, and that is a positive. And, Brian, I want to start here and talk about Cam Rising. Very very impressive outing for him, and a pretty poignant moment. There was a picture taken, if I'm not mistaken, was it Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com who took the picture, uh, Mm -hmm. saying, hey, there's uh, Cam Rising on the field, and we found out later, he was actually FaceTiming his mom, who was not able to be in attendance at the game, just kind of reminiscing in the win, because this is a kid from Southern California. The the LA Coliseum is kind of the mecca for anybody who grew up in that area, and for him to go out there and win with his team on that field, it's got to feel really, really good for for him, and when you go twenty-two of twenty-eight for three hundred and six yards, three touchdowns, it's a pretty dang good. Impre- it's a pretty dang good performance for him overall.
1: It is, and and you know, I think you uh, really have to acknowledge what an experience it is for him to go out there and be able to play in front of friends and family, finally after everything that he's gone through, just to try and see the field. And you knew he was going to take advantage of the moment, and he did. His statistics, his stat line, Jake. One of the better that we've seen from a Utah quarterback in recent memory, 22 of 28, absolutely surgical in the passing game for an almost 80% completion rate. That's nearly unheard of at this level. Uh, and it wasn't just like side-to-side throws or dump-offs. It was a lot of downfield action, a lot of over-the-field stuff, a lot of deep balls. We saw, saw Theo Howard catch one. We saw Dalton Kincaid make a few catches. Devon Vele suddenly becoming uh, you know, a big part of the offense uh, showing out. And, and just Overall, just the number of, of receivers catching passes for the University of Utah um, was exactly what you expect from a a ball control offense Uh, saw some other things too where Utah decided to mix it up a little bit more things that we've been calling for but the bottom line is that Cam Rising was who made that offense click 306 yards three TDs the best part about it zero interceptions zero fumbles zero turnovers had a QB rating of 205.7 that's you know, say what you will about QB rating as a st- statistic. Anytime you're in the 200s, that's impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to also point out, we found out after the game that the the flea flicker at the end of the first half, Brian, apparently it was a misread or like a miss, I guess, I don't know how to characterize it. He was looking at his play sheet on his arm. He read it and said it said flea flicker. Well, he said, okay, we're going with it. And then they called the timeout, goes over to the sideline, explains what he had called. They said, all right, you know what? Let's go with it anyways. And what does he do? There was an absolute laser beam of a strike to Devon Velle. What a play. What a touchdown. I think kind of epitomized just how the night went for Utah.
1: It did, and I think really what it showed us is just what the potential of this, this squad is and, and why Cam Rising really was the guy all along. And I hope people listened when we talked about that, right? Because it, my 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 opinion was that if it were me making the choice, it would be Cam Rising. But I thought that the coaches would go with Charlie Brewer. We're seeing why, and I think a lot of it is that Rising's been in the program. He understands the staff. He understands Andy Andy Ludwig, and and we can frame it however we want in terms of uh, you know the the flea flicker mistaken call. Uh, there's a part of me that maybe thinks that Cam saw or or maybe heard or or thought something about the. Flea Flea Flaker being the move, and that's why he made the call. Um, but this team loves and adores Cam Rising. Uh, he is the heartbeat of, of this offense. You can see it. He, he moved the ball with his legs from time to time, and that opened up the run game for Tavion Thomas, who is back on his redemption tour and was – two hands high and tight anytime he got close to contact yep. but there were a couple of plays where that didn't even matter right because he was uh you know two steps in a cloud of dust and into the end zone he goes just like uh you know his uh uh ooh I don't know not mentor but like uh, comparative runner earl earl campbell you know yeah, I, I know sure. that's hall of fame nfl running back that's a pretty pretty heavy uh, comparison but size wise you know there's a little bit there
0: Well, Tavion Thomas, 16 carries, 113 yards, one touchdown, had a long carry of 43 on the night, averaged 7.1 yards per carry. Very, very impressive. As you mentioned, his redemption tour off to a rolling start, which is really fun to see. We'll dig in more into this. We need to talk a little bit more about the defense, how things went on that front. We also need to discuss what exactly Britton Covey was trying to accomplish in the postgame locker room. We'll we'll, we'll dig into all of that momentarily here, Brian. But let's take a minute and talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. And, Brian, if you were um, a, a guy who likes daily fantasy and had you decided before the game against uh, USC that you wanted to put Put some skittles down on a guy like Cam Rising, and they probably had an over/under of how many touchdowns he'd throw for, how many passing yards, interceptions, all that stuff. Well, had you decided, okay, I'm going to go over/under two. Let's say it was two and a half on touchdowns, 300 yards passing, and then interceptions uh, over/under one and a half. Well, had you gone over, over, and under, you probably would have won a pretty nice haul from our friends at Prize Picks.
1: That's why you do it, Jake, is because you're not playing against someone else. You're not trying to have to deal with lineups and hassles and everything like that. It's just you versus the numbers. And you can pick the numbers that you want. You can mix and match. It's a great setup for people who love fantasy, especially if you're like me and you love a good prop bet, you know, you want to get into the kind of the weird, the nitty-gritty, maybe up your winnings a little bit. It's a good way to uh, really try out uh, daily fantasy and things like that uh, to figure out how to play it and, and what you like. Uh, without having to risk the big bag of skittles
0: yeah and that's the fun part is right now you also can go to price picks you can get a 100 percent instant match up to a hundred dollars just by using the promo code locked on when you make that deposit yes a hundred percent match up to a hundred dollars using the promo code locked on the best part about this your entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's really that easy so don't do not hesitate check out PrizePicks.com, use the promo code locked on for that bonus match Or go to your app store and download the app today and get going that way. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you again for making Locked On Utes your first listen of the day. We love being with you guys on the daily, and I'm not going to lie, I missed doing the show last week. I'm excited to be back here with my good friend Brian Brown. But Brian, uh, continuing on here, talking a little bit about the 42-26 to victory for Utah. And that scoreline, by the way, let me just add, 42-26 to makes this seem like a much closer game than it actually was. You kind of mentioned earlier on that Kyle Whittingham probably had some Uh, words of wisdom, we'll we'll use that term, uh, for Dante Williams in the postgame handshake line to kind of lay out how things are supposed to operate. But Utah absolutely dominated every facet of this game, and I wanted to flip over and talk a little bit about the defense for a moment here because I really liked how Utah went about things on the defensive side of the football going up against a true air raid attack that USC put on the field.
1: It's not an offense that fits their style of play. It doesn't fit their uh, heritage and the legacy. And and I think it's showing in how they play. Utah was able to mix and match coverages. There were times where they were playing three safeties. There were times where Devin Lloyd was the third defensive end. Uh, I know that that had fans frustrated because his numbers weren't as good, but the defensive output was certainly worth it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to take the hit in terms of your numbers as a player in order to make the scheme work. And and listen, I think that if you asked Devin Lloyd about it, the first thing he would claim is he was stoked on the win. And, and look at this. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a guy who has shown on film that he's willing to go play wherever the coaches want to put him that he's willing to play whatever role he was already a day one guy now the Reese's Bowl is flying out specifically to watch him he is becoming the fastest moving defensive player up NFL teams draft boards this only helps his cause now does it help his uh his numbers and his his case for being a defensive player of the year in the Pac-12 Hard to say, but at this point in time, who else are you going to pick? You know, Kayvon Thibodeau has been injured and, and had more downs probably than ups in terms of his campaign. He'll likely just get it because he is Kayvon Thibodeau. But there are not a lot of other defenders in the Pac-12 right now that are playing at the same kind of level. What it allowed him to do is it allowed him to uh, free up other players to come in and excel. Kamui Latu, I thought, brings so much energy. And I said in, on Twitter, he plays with the love of the game and some hate in his heart. And you could see it with the way he was flying around fearlessly. You know, he had the tackle on, on on tight end from USC, whose name is escaping me, as, as it tends to do. Uh, Epps, I believe it was. Or yeah. Trig. Yeah, Trigg, Trig, where, yeah. where he was injured, unfortunately. But, you know, that's the game of football nowadays with with targeting being what it is. You go low. You have to make those tackles. It's unfortunate to see injuries, but it is what it is. And I think that Latu brings an edge and a, um, a force and, and a downhill presence from that safety position. That really helped Utah a lot. You know, Clark Phillips held his own against Drake London. And, you know, you look at London's numbers, he was, what was it, 16 catches for 162 yards. That doesn't sound like holding your own, but it's Drake freaking London. He's the best wide receiver in the country, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, let me interject here. He's going to get his, there's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, and and he was the only one who really got his. You look at all the other numbers, and, and there wasn't a whole lot there. The biggest thing that this defense did is it did allow a few big plays here and there, but it held when it needed to. Uh, you know the the one touchdown in the first half, London just made a great play. you know the two six the two touchdowns in the second half were kind of later uh, once the game was closer to out of hand. I don't like giving up the two point conversions on those, but it is what it is. Um, you know and this defense really balled out. I think you know let me ask you this if you had to pick your MVP on the defensive side of the football, who would you go with?
0: For talking about for Utah here, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I funny enough, I'd actually say Devin Lloyd. And you said that his stats weren't great, but Brian, really, he was third on the team in tackles, eight of them total, six solo tackles, had one tackle for loss and one pass breakup. I don't know how much more you can really ask for, if, I, if I'm being honest.
1: That's fair. That's fair, but like, I mean, we're so used to him having 12 to 15 tackles, a sack, an interception, sure, a fumble, sure, but... you know, but his impact was felt, and I think yeah. the biggest thing that he did is that he and Van Fillinger provided that opposite side pressure, yeah. which allowed Mika Tafua to get his two sacks. Mika was named the defensive player of the week by the team, uh, understandably so. He had a great game, did a really good job setting the edge. I think Clark Phillips is another great option for that. We uh Reid continue his strong play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Andrew Mata off a siding. <laughs> who, who would have guessed? Yeah. You know, and and there were some some breakdowns and things like that. You can see that Vontae Davis and and uh, uh, Brandon McKinney are still trying to get into the flow of things after missing with the injuries, you know, a few breakdowns there. But uh, you know, overall this defense was just really, really solid.
0: Yeah, like Clark Phillips. Nine total tackles, eight of them solo, three pass breakups. Yes, Drake London averaged 10.1 yards, just over 10.1 yards per reception, but he is wide receiver one in this coming draft class. He is going to go off on anybody who plays against him. I thought Clark Phillips did an admirable job matching up with him most of the night. I'm with you. I think the overall defensive outing for Utah here is something that we absolutely should be shouting them out because you kind of mentioned in your first thought there that the way that USC plays football, the way that this offense operates, it does not match up well for Utah on paper. It's just not a good fit for how Utah operates and credit to them, they went to a little bit of a 3-3 alignment at times uh, on defense, more of a, a nickel kind of look. And it wasn't a true 3-3-5, but it was kind of a more 3-3 alignment, so to say, just kind of fit things better. And I thought every move they made defensively in this game, it paid off. And you got to tip your cap to Kyle Winningham, tip your cap to Morgan Scally, because they put together a really, really good game plan.
1: Yeah. Morgan said in an interview during the week that, you know, guys were trying too hard. And I think there's, there's something to that, but I also think a lot of what we've seen recently is allowing guys to step in and play and make plays. Junior Tafuna has been excellent. You know, Aliki Vamahi has shown well in his, his few reps. We've seen Karene Reid step in for an, an injured Nephi Duhal who, you know, was kind of moved around a little bit as well. And, and that's the, the benefit to having a player like Nephi and his versatility uh, you know and, and especially where he's still a little bit nicked up here and there trying to trying to get healthy and and so you're starting to see this depth that we all thought was going to be a real strength for this team start to shine through and maybe there are guys that are still making mistakes but they're making them and learning and they're doing it full speed and I, I think you know you talk to any coach they know that players are always going to make mistakes no matter what you learn to live with them
0: Okay, last thing for me on this game, Brian, Uh, you can add any other thoughts you have, but in the post-game locker room celebration we saw on social media, they're singing Utah, man, and having a great time. But what in the world has gotten into Britton Covey? Like Doing crunches, doing kind of the punch thing, just on top of the lockers. I had to say, I was dying laughing watching that.
1: Look, every middle-aged man dreams of going back and playing in one more year of college football, and Britton Covey's no different. He's living his life. Uh, no, I thought I thought that was super fun. He's been a great representative of the team. He's been a great mouthpiece uh, for them all as long. I, I also think that you know we do need to give some kudos to the offensive line that that unit has started to really uh, gel despite an injury to Jaron comp we saw uh Bam moi step in and, and have you know one of his highest graded performances uh, through PFF he graded it at I believe a 9.1 uh, which that's NFL caliber um, and now when you're watching it there's a lot to look at and say okay like this doesn't look fluid it doesn't look smooth but you're getting the job done and that's the biggest thing and and between Bam and the and the tight ends who Oh boy, we cannot talk enough about how great they are. And it's just it's a three headed beast finally. Dalton Kincaid with some excellent blocks that that's one in particular that sprung Brant Keithy. Uh Brant Keithy with an excellent block that sprung Tavion Thomas. You know, Cole Fotheringham. We never talk about him because he's always, you know, up up in the battle and in the trenches. Uh he deserves his flowers. Those guys definitely deserve a shout out as as they really came to play.
0: Yeah, Fatheringham. By the way, he's turned into quite the battering ram, blocking wise. He is absolutely incredible as an inline blocker. I, I, I know Hans Olsen, our our good friend, uh, pointed out, and he was dead on. I thought like Cole Fotheringham. And you mentioned the three headed monster they have at tight end. It's finally coming to fruition. So it just seems like the slow start to this season, Brian. Hopefully, it's in the rearview mirror because this performance had a lot of promise to it. And now we turn our attention to a big time showdown against Arizona State coming up this Saturday, and obviously we'll be digging into that throughout the upcoming week as we get ready for that matchup with the Sun Devils. But uh, any other thoughts from you on this win for Utah that you'd like to share before we uh, wrap up today's show with some other notes involving other Utah teams?
1: Yep, uh, worth noting that the better half of the locked on Utes podcast returned this week as well it is a joy and a pleasure to have jake hatch back here with the crew that he belongs with gang (laughs) like like our our prodigal son was lost he is now found he has returned he is back in our good graces let us hug and embrace him as the true utah that he is
0: There are going to be some listeners who are going to have some things to say about that, I, I would think. but
1: That's fine. They know where to find me.
0: Absolutely. All right, come up here in just a minute. We'll uh, talk about the other teams in action, by the way. It was like kind of an all-SoCal weekend for all the Utah teams in action. We'll dig into how the results went for women's volleyball as well as women's soccer and also some other notes involving men's golf. We'll touch on all of that in just a few moments. But Brian, you and I, I think this might be the most exciting part of this podcast for us because we get to take a minute, and I know that it's exciting to talk about Utah football, but When we get to talk about our friends over at Built Bar, that's when it gets real fun.
1: Jake, we're not here doing this podcast without built Bar. That's the bottom line for a multitude of reasons. One, if we're not eating built bars, we're not eating good, and if we're not eating good, we're not performing well. And if we're not performing well, there's no way the Locked On Network is going to say, "Hey, you two jokers, you two knuckleheads, you go out there and record a podcast." Uh, and we're eating healthy too, and that's keeping us sharp. It's keeping us alert. It's keeping us moving. You know, you and I are both super busy this time of year. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surviving without my built bars. No
0: doubt about that. The best part. They're the best-tasting protein bars that we have ever had. And more importantly, as Brian mentioned, they're the most healthy ones as well. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories per bar. One, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs per bar as well. Absolutely incredible. All of them healthy, all of them delicious, covered in 100% chocolate. Check them out, guys. Get to Built.com right now. Place your order. We recommend if you're a first-time uh, first time orderer of Built Bars – Order the uh, sample pack. It has two of every one of their base flavors. You can see what you like, see what you don't, and then go back and order your favorites once again. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 at Bilt.com. Join the Best Tasting Protein Bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. As we round out this Monday edition of the show, Brian, it was kind of funny. Obviously, the University of Utah men's football program down in Southern California taking on USC, but also women's volleyball as well as women's soccer. It was an all-SoCal weekend for all three teams.
1: Nice of the Pac-12 to save some money on the charters for the University of Utah, aligning things like that, but it was a good weekend all around. Uh, women's soccer with a very, very strong performance against UCLA left that one with a tie, a uh, Believe they do point systems in, in Pac-12. Same as they always, do. right? They do, yeah. yeah. So, so that, getting one it. on the road, it's that's always a
0: win, especially against UCLA. UCLA yeah. is very, very good. Uh, I believe they did drop the USC matchup uh, on Sunday, correct? But you know what?
1: Not not a great performance to follow that one up. But look, look, you got the one point on the road that you needed, yeah. And and that's really, you know, I think that's a tough road trip as as USC is ranked number 11th in the country right now. And that's a lot for a very young, still kind of growing and developing Utah women's soccer team.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're coming into their own. That's the nice part is you got a rookie head coach here taking over this program, and they're trying to find their way to go and get that point at UCLA. That's nothing to sniff at. But I think more importantly, Brian, we mentioned in the open of today's show, our favorite volleyball player, Danny Drews, is rightfully atop the all-time kills list for the University of Utah women's volleyball
1: program. She is, and she did it in in spectacular fashion on Friday night. It didn't take her long to get there. We said that she had ten kills. Uh, she got to it pretty quick. Uh, finished that match with seventeen kills total, one ace, two blocks. She is, in my opinion, the best Utah women's volleyball player in history. I have even had the discussion. She's one of the best Utah women's athletes. Period. Um, you know, I know that gymnastics Twitter has their uh, their opinions on that one as well. Um, she could have been a two sport athlete. At the University of Utah. She wanted to was a phenomenal basketball player in high school. She is just a gift to the university, uh, and this is something that is both deserved because of her performance, but also because of the work that she put in and and her decision to return and, and play one more season at the University of Utah when there was potential to leave for professional opportunities is just you know true commitment.
0: Well, and that, that's the nice part about it. And obviously, she, it's in the family gene pool. We all know this. The, 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 the Barton family, because she, she married Christian Drews, who's a former University of Utah football player. But she's part of the Barton clan. And trust me, there's a lot of talent there. But she's got an argument now, Brian, with all of her brothers and all that they have accomplished on the gridiron, and also that her parents have accomplished, because her mom, a spectacular two-way athlete in her own right, Danny Drews can say one thing to trump all of them. Are you number one in this category, which is the kind of the the best category in terms of volleyball out there? It's the most highlighted one. Are you the all time kills leader at the program you played for? No, Yang.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and that's not a, a you know a. Uh a diss or a snide on on Mickey Kane Barton in no. any stretch of the matter, but her performance, where again, you know, I don't know that there's a single athlete out there that will ever duplicate what she did, becoming a two-sport, I believe, all-American. I know for sure it was all-conference, but I. The brain gets a little fuzzy these days, Jake. Um, but in basketball and women's volleyball, and and so you know it, it's it's a great legacy to have at that university. Paul Barton obviously left his Jackson Cody. You know, there's hope on the horizon that Lander, uh, the youngest Barton, will commit to the University of Utah at some point. Although they do have a battle on their hands for that one with Texas. Um, you know, it's it's a great uh, accomplishment for. Danny and, and well-deserved, like I said, and also it's very reflective of what this program has become, uh, you know, while she's been there, replacing her is going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, but they had a great, you know, a great run there at, at USC on Friday, not as great, uh, as they dropped, uh, uh three sets on the road to UCLA, the number 16th-ranked team. But, you know, this is a tough conference, and this is going to be one of those seasons where you're going to have some wins and some losses, and uh, you'll get a chance to get them back at your place soon.
0: Yep. Final note is that men's golf is traveling to Corvallis for the Oregon State Invitational. That will be taking place this week. So best of luck to the men's golf program in action. Brian. Go, Javi, go. Yeah, go, Javi, go. No doubt about that. Any final thoughts from you before we round out today's show?
1: It's a great week for the Locked On Youths podcast, Jake. Thank you to everybody for staying with us through uh, the ups and the downs and, and everything going on. I know it's a lot to deal with, but we really appreciate those who are continuing to follow us to make us their first listen every single day. And most of all, it is ASU week and let the hatred flow. We'll try and set up a crossover with the... Two ASU fans that I actually do like uh, as are our, our guys Richie and uh, – is it Richie and Cade? I
0: believe you are correct, yep.
1: Yeah, Richie and Cade. I, I know Richie well. He's a good dude. Uh, try and set up a crossover episode with them at some point. Um, but if nothing else, you know, we'll let the rivalry uh, get prickly.
0: Yeah, it should be a fun week. There's no doubt about that. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Want to encourage you guys as soon as we sign off here, make sure you get over and catch up on everything going on in the Pac-12 with Locked On Pac-12. Cindy Robinson does a great job getting you caught up on everything in 30 minutes or less across the Pac-12. So check that out. Until next time, make sure that you follow the show on social media. Locked On Utes on Twitter. Follow Brian at Brown Bear SLC. Follow myself at Jacob C Hatch on Twitter. And as always, feel free to weigh in with your. Th- thoughts via email locked on at gmail.com that'll do it have a great day this has been the locked on utes podcast for october 11th 2021 and we will catch you guys manana